Greetings, Initiates, and welcome back to your next lesson here in the Codex. Uh, again, you're going to be joined by myself, Mark Quides, and my fellow co-instructor, co-associate here, Josue Cardona. Instructor in training. I'm going to eventually come up with a title for you. I just Thank don't you. know when that will happen. I'll maybe get there. season two. Maybe. 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 You know, everybody's going to be rising up a rank, except me, because, you know, I'm the master assassin, but it's all right. Gotcha. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, in the last episode, we discussed about the present day elements and talked all about that good stuff with uh, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. So today we're going to talk all about the past stuff, which uh, is going to be obviously just the brief overview of the game. We're going to go over some key characters and whatnot. And then we're going to obviously talk about Subject 16, which is like a mix of past and present day. But, you know, it belongs here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so I'm just going to go ahead and just uh, quickly just go over the game here. Just, you know, get it done and out of the way. It's kind of short and sweet to the point. Um, so um, as I mentioned, like in the last episode, um, I know, Josue, you talked about this. And it was kind of my mistake. I, I was kind of leading it for this episode, but it should have been brought up in the last episode. Um, but just to kind of go over it again, in the beginning of the game, uh, Ezio... Uh, is fighting Cesare in this very later memory, but upon like uh, losing him and trying to find him again, Ezio looks at the sun and starts remembering something else, and Desmond's kicked out of the memory. Um, so going forward from that, uh, he gets restabilized uh, back in the Vatican just after he's done talking to Minerva, uh, and then that involves Ezio and his uncle escaping Rome together while fighting off you know the papal forces. After that, they go back to Monteregioni, where they kind of celebrate. Uh, Ezio sort of relaxes for once in his life. And they you know, they all have a good time. They discuss about what had happened in Rome. Uh, more so Ezio explaining to everybody um, what was going on. After uh, you know, a night of relaxation with Caterina Sforza, uh, they uh, realize that the town of Monteregioni is actually under siege by Cesare. Um, who was after Ezio, and more specifically, the Apple. So after trying to fend, it up, fend off the, the attackers and protect the townspeople from escaping, ultimately, uh, the papal forces breach the city gates, Cesare kills uh, Mario, and Ezio is shot. Uh, at this point, you know, they Ezio, you know, surprisingly getting back up after taking a few gunshot wounds, and... Uh, he manages to get back to the villa and escape with his family. And then he decides to head to Rome to finish what he started. Which and- I just want to point out that it's really cool the way we talked about in the in the last episode that like, we don't see how he escapes exactly like, completely uh, like through Ezio's memory. We see it as a bleeding effect. I thought that was pretty cool. No, it, it was a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a really good touch to kind of experience and see uh, both things at the same time. Exactly, like you were seeing it. You were seeing what Ezio did and what the townspeople did, but you're seeing it through Desmond's eyes. Yeah, which was a really which was a nice effect. Yeah. Um. So after Ezio uh, wakes up in in Rome, he goes and meets with uh, Niccolo Machiavelli, who is a a member of the Assassins. Um, He's introduced in in Assassin's Creed Two right before Ezio gets inducted into the into the Brotherhood. But going from there, uh, 
this is like Ezio kind of gains his ground in the city. He talks over some strategy with Niccolo. Uh, they they establish a base on the Tiber Island, and from there, Ezio then spreads out to regain connections with the underground guilds that are within the city. So you got the mercenaries, the thieves, and the courtesans. Um, and with that in mind, he also runs into uh, this underground cult uh, known as the Followers of Romulus, which uh, is like a little side quest that you can go throughout the game to get this, you know, unbreakable armor. Um, but they have some key, they, they play some sort of key role throughout the story, um, just like Cesare's, or they believe that the the Pope and the papal army itself is paying the followers to terrorize the people, to drive them into the church. So that way they have more of that, you know, citizen support. But going on from there, after reestablishing all these connections, Ezio then goes after, uh, you know, Cesare's funding, which is from uh, their his cousin, I guess, uh, Juan Borgia, who is known as the banker. Ezio dispatches of him. He also dispatches of the French general who is allies with Cesare, known as Baron de Lavoie. Um, while he's taking care of these two, you know, main people that are backing Cesare, he's also doing a favor for Leonardo da Vinci, who is also in Rome, being commissioned by Cesare to craft these war machines. But Leonardo is actually asking you to go and destroy them and destroy the plans because he does not want these things to be used. They are terrible weapons. So you destroy like an art, you destroy uh, like a naval ship with like artillery on it. Basically, you have uh, a tank, you have a machine gun, and then you have a flying machine that has like a a gun on it or like a fire cannon, like napalm strike, almost. After that, you uh, you have to go get a key from one of Lucrezia, who is like the daughter of Rodrigo. You have to get her lover's uh, secret key to get into the castel so that way you can kill Cesare and Rodrigo. Uh, so you have to save him from Micheletto, who is, you know, Cesare's, like, number one hitman. You go into the castel, and then you witness Cesare killing Rodrigo because Rodrigo was actually trying to plan, was actually planning on killing him, but Lucrezia warned him in time. And from there, uh, Cesare gains... Uh, the location of the apple from Lucrezia and then runs off to go get it. Ezio comes in, you know, gives his last respects to Rodrigo, you know, saying the whole requiescat and pace. And then Lucrezia gives Ezio the location and Ezio manages to beat uh, Cesare to the apple. And from there, Ezio uses the apple, disbands and destroys any sort of remnants of supporting, of supporters for Cesare. Cesare gets arrested says that chains aren't going to hold him very long. He'll eventually break free. Some time passes, not too much time, but a little bit of time passes, and Ezio's still bothered by what he said. So he uses the apple, realizes that Cesare was right, and then it fast-forwards into that beginning memory where you're fighting uh, Cesare and, and this, like, battlefield in Vienna. And then there, and now you can play through it. Now you, you fight him the first time, then you you run back into the city. You fight him on this uh, on like the city walls, and after you know this big fierce battle, you manage to break his armor, and you're gonna kill him. While Cesare is saying that he will not be killed by the hands of man, so then Ezio leaves it in the hands of fate and drops him from a wall.
to his death. And that's pretty much, in the grand scheme of things, the past portion. That's Ezio's um, story. Yeah, that's Ezio's story in this part. I mean, there is the um. Do I do I should we talk about the the DLC? Because I can talk about that. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Okay, so going forward from this, uh, this is where normally that's where normally the, the the main game ends. Sometime later, they added the Da Vinci Disappearance DLC. Now, this takes place like a couple years after um, the death of Cesare, and Ezio realizes that uh, he goes to visit Leonardo and finds that he's missing. And so with the help of um, Leonardo's assistant slash lover, they find all these clues. You go through all these things to uh, figure out the location of Leonardo, which is actually in this secret cave that supposedly houses this vault or formula for Pythagoras, which is which is something that's like very it, it ends up being a first civilization thing. But the people that are actually that kidnapped him and that are trying to use his research to gain access to the Pythagoras uh, formula, I believe it's called, uh, is actually the cult of Hermes. So that's your main antagonist throughout this th- throughout this game. Uh, I'm sorry, through this DLC. And so after you go through all like, these scoops and hurdles, you know, different missions or whatever, you find the location, you get to the cave, you save Leonardo, and then you go with Leonardo to find the vault or the number or the formula. I cannot remember exactly what it is. But once you find it, Leonardo starts asking all these questions about what it all means. But Ezio just kind of like puts his hand on his shoulders like, listen, like, this is not for us. This is this is something that we shouldn't be dealing with. And then they both walk away from it. And that's really all there really is to it in terms of the Da Vinci disappearance. So yeah, that's pretty much the game and its DLC content in a nutshell. That's Brotherhood. Yep, and it's fantastic. What's your favorite part of this game? I love the beginning. I love being Desmond. Like, there's always this fantasy of, of like, oh, like, can I be an assassin in the present day? And even though there wasn't any of the the killing <laughs> any of the actual assassinating or fighting just moving around in that world as Desmond moving around that villa uh that castle that that was that was really cool and I don't know I love the whole beginning of it I love the energy of it I love how it continues right from the previous one and it's hitting all these beats that's like that, that I don't know I found really interesting and since as I love the old the the stuff in the past but I, but I love the sci-fi element of it too. So, you know, that, that's what I mentioned before, like the bleeding effect and seeing, you know, the past and, and the way they did that, you know, they told that story, that whole first like two hours. I just loved it. No, I mean, trust me, like the present day stuff, like this is where like the present day stuff actually gets very interesting. Mm. Like this is where you start hearing about, you know, the whole December 21st, 2012 or, you know, something or, you know, something along those lines. You hear about what Epstergo is really trying to do with their satellite launch and, and why they're trying so hard to find an apple of Eden. Yeah. Well, also, you know, you get this big insight with with Subject 16 when you if and when you do uh, all the 10 glyphs in the game. Yeah. Um, it's just, it adds so much more backstory, it adds more meat to the present day stuff. And this is where I feel like the present day stuff really starts taking off because in the first two games, like 
they're just kind of there as background just to kind of keep you grounded in the fact that hey just so you, just to remind you like you're just visiting the past you're visiting your mem- your ancestors memories uh but you're still here in, in the present day but this is where it's like it's more context than world building at the beginning and now it's like its own thing its own story exactly i yeah. i i really love how sean is just like a total sarcastic brit <laughs> in this one and it's great <laughs> Um, but going back to like the more like the the past game elements, you know, uh, my favorite thing in this entire game, and I never get tired of it, is my assassin initiates. <laughs> That's you guys. That's all of you listeners. <laughs> my assassins guild is all comprised of you guys, and don't worry, I eventually make all of you master assassins. I send you on a bunch of missions throughout Europe. Congratulations, guys. You've backpacked through Europe. <laughs> but that's my that's honestly my favorite. That's what made the game so enjoyable for me was um, getting that aspect of like being able to strategize and send like you can recruit these people to your cause. And, you know, it's not just like it's all guys. You can have, you know, female assassins with you as well. And you can send them off on missions throughout all of, you know, Europe to do these things for you. They can level up. They can assist you in in battle. And, in fact, to achieve full synchronization in a lot of missions, like, you need to use them, especially when, like, you unlock them. Like, the first three missions after you unlock them is, like, use your your recruits to, you know, kill this target or use them at least two times in, in a battle. So, like, yeah. I don't know. It's that was the most fun for me, and I really enjoyed it. And oftentimes, I would just sit around a pigeon coop for like five. Like I would time it. It'd be like <laughs> five real minutes, just so I could wait for a fifteen in-game minute mission to complete because I wanted to make sure that all of my assassins recruits were master assassins before I went to end-game stuff. <laughs> that's how dedicated I was. That's why. That's why your management. That's why you're in charge. <laughs> I know, I know. I make sure that I'm thorough with everybody's training so you are all very capable assassins. <laughs> and it all started with Brotherhood for you. Basically, this is yeah. this is the game that really like I was like, you know what, Ubisoft, you got me. I'm in it for the long game now. <laughs> like, whew. Like this this is the, I remember when this game released and I was excited. I was so happy with it, and then the ending just totally like messed me up a little bit. I was like, "Yo, you can't do this to me! Come on!" I totally shipped those two. <laughs> and you did. Nobody this. said that back then when this game came out, but but I understand what you mean. Uh, exactly, I was saying it before it was cool. <laughs> just like I joined Facebook before it was cool, and then and then before it was not cool anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So. Out of all the characters in in this game, you know, in terms of like the main characters, like the Baron, you know, Bartolomeo, La Volpe, I want to ask you, who do you think is your, who would you say is your favorite out of all of them? I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I like seeing Claudia like take charge and be, she's like, oh, it's the little sister in the first game, you know, and little by little, she's like, I'll take over. I'll do this. I got this. Give me. <laughs> So she's the one I remember the most. No, honestly, I was gonna I was gonna say the same thing. I think really, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no. Claudia's. It's funny because Claudia's story is like it totally. You totally see it like 
develop and 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 mature. Like you see her mature throughout these, you know, from two all the way to this one. Like by this game, like by this game, she's like, it's like, hey, you need somebody to run this brothel. Like I ran the business at the in the city. I basically helped you build the city from nothing. If I could <laughs> exactly. do that and make the make that town bring in bank, I could certainly run a brothel. Yeah, <laughs> and Ezio is like trying to be the overprotective brother, like. No, I'm not gonna have my sister work at a brothel. But then their mom is just like, "Yo, dude, do you really have a choice in the matter? Come on, just let your sister run this brothel. <laughs> we'll take care of them. Don't worry." Yeah, that's exactly how the mom said it. <laughs> exactly, and then, it, like, once you, uh, once you like establish that she's gonna take over, like, you really get a sense of how long it's been since the since they left Firenze for the very first time. Yeah, like. You know, he says to her, like, you do this and you're on your own. And then she says, I've been on my own for 20 years. Yep. It's been 20 years since their family died. Yeah. And to see her now as, you know, she was like probably like, what, 16, 14, 15, maybe at the time of the events and and two, like in the very beginning. And to see her now, like going into her thirties and she's just like, yeah, no, I can do this. And then it's like, once you get later into the game, like you go into the brothel and you see all these dead guards and she's just sitting there with a knife and she's just like, (laughs) and he, Etio's just like, so my sister knows how to wield a knife. And she's like, and I'm ready to do it again. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just like, damn. All right, Claudia, I see you. I see you put you on my roster. I I can take care of anybody like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, she's great. She's great. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and there's actually um I don't know cuz I know you you started playing it and I'm not sure how far you get you've gotten into the game, but there are uh these little side like little little side quest missions and they're called repressed memories. Mm-hmm. So if you remember in the beginning of Assassin's Creed 2, uh, after you go on the church tower with your brother and then you go to pay a visit to Christina, right? Mm-hmm. You know that that was Ezio's girlfriend at the time. Well, these yes. repressed memories go back in time to, you know, their love story. Really? Yeah. To what end? Uh, to the very brutal and tragic end, my friend. But but I mean, but why? Why though? Why? It's just to gain more. It's just lore building. You get okay. a sense of of uh, a better sense of Ezio's past and why he's become so distant. Oh, why okay. he's become so focused on on the task at hand rather than you know be the ladies' man he once was. Mm, okay, but it's not like he had a son with her or something like that. And no, 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 no. Like, it okay. was just like okay. it was because. Basically, I mean, without going into too much detail with it, uh, what as you like increase your synchronization and you you know keep rebuilding Rome, you'll gradually unlock these repressed missions as you play them up until the the tragic ending. But it really just follows their their love story. Like Ezio, you know, after the death of you know his family, and you know she kind of is with him when he goes to give them their last rites. Like he goes and steals their bodies to give them their last rites. And she's there with him. And he tells her like, you know, I, I need to leave, but she can't, and she can't and won't go with him just because of her family. So he gives her like this, like medallion saying like, you know, here, so I'm always with you, but I need to leave the city. Hmm. So like they still, he still very much loves her. 
And at this point, in t- like, and then, like, as you keep unlocking, they keep jumping, like, to certain points in time. So, like, the second mission is, like, after you get the Medici case. So, after you've completely helped and liberate Firenze from the Pazzi, then you're jumping back into with Christina. Then you do it again in uh, Venice during Carnival. You know, huh. you get all, like, you get these, like, little jump points in time during, like, these key uh, times for Ezio. Yeah. yeah. And now you get a little sprinkle of something that happened on the side that you didn't get to see in Assassin's Creed 2 because it was something that Ezio repressed. He didn't want to remember it because yeah, yeah. the because the the romance between him and Christina it was something that you know you know shriveled up inside. And when we get to Assassin's Creed Embers, that little short movie that kind of wraps up Ezio's story, I can talk more about it more about it then. Um, but yeah, so like the all at all these points and times, like you have Ezio, um, you know, like you have him play through these things, and he learns that she's engaged to be married to somebody else because she waited so because she waited so long for Ezio, but he never came back. Oh, she, between she, visits, gotcha. yeah, like she had no choice but to pick somebody to marry. But he got into some trouble. Like he was, uh, he had a like a gambling problem, and he fell into some trouble with some people. And so Ezio goes to save him, and then as he like after he saves him, he like grabs him and holds him over the edge of this bridge, like this tall bridge, and he asks asks the man like, "Do you love her, Christina?" And he's like, "Yes, yes, I love her. You know, if you kill me now, I'll die still loving her." And he's like, "Okay, you're not gonna do this again because if you do this again and you hurt her or you let her get hurt, I will find you and kill you myself." And after saving the man. Ezio sees, like, pulls Christina off to the side one last time, you know, gives her, like, a final kiss, but then says, like, oh, he's going to make a good husband. I'll make sure of it. I, I made sure of it. And then she's kind of left standing there, like, what? <laughs> because she wanted to go with him now. Hmm. But he left her behind because now he's realizing that the work that he's doing is too dangerous. He doesn't want to risk hurting her. doesn't want to drag her into it. And then as that point, like, and then, like, in the later memories, like, he's trying to, like, still, like, have his little fun with her, like, you know, kiss her, see her, whatever. But at that point, she's like, no, you left me to be married to that guy. I didn't want to be with him. I wanted to be with you. So now don't find me. Don't follow me. Don't see. Don't talk to me ever again. And then, you know, then there's the last memory. And I guess I'll just go ahead and spoil it. Um you find her husband he's hurt and i i can't i think this is during the bonfire of the vanities but i'm not entirely sure all he knows is that he's injured and he said like you know they went after christina you need to go save her and so you go save her but she's also been fatally wounded and as she dies in his arms she like pulls out the medallion and shows it to him saying that she's to show that she's always kept it with him or with her and she says you know i wish we could have had our second chance because that was something because and when they first met that was um that, that was something that she said she said well Ezio, looks like you had like you have your second chance hmm. because he saves her from vieri because fear tried to force himself on her and Ezio saves her after botching his like introduction to her Granted, he he kind of tails her and stalks her to find out where she lives. But you know what? Disregard that part. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's really interesting. And that they called it repressed memories. 
which means these are things he doesn't want to think about. Yeah, and the icon's a broken heart. Oh man, it's sad when I yeah. when I when I played through all of them because the first time I played it, I didn't unlock all the memories, so I didn't get to play them all. So it was only mm-hmm. when I replayed the game and I made sure that I got like a hundred percent on everything that I saw all the repressed memories. And it, I I was like, oh no, my child, please no, don't feel sad anymore. Oh man, huh? Yeah, it, it, that's and so like that's like another like. A nice little sprinkle that they they throw into the games to kind of help bring more life to these characters. Like, you know, with Christina, you see her for like all of two seconds in Assassin's Creed 2. And it's just so Ezio can get laid. And that's it. Yeah. But but this builds on her character. Like, it's someone that you probably wouldn't even think about again. But because of these repressed memories, now you're bringing her back because she was an important part of Ezio's life. Now you're 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 giving this what was a what was really just a side character now you're giving her this full story and you're making this entire arc between the two that you know is something that not a lot of people would really go and do or find yeah. if they weren't actively looking for it in the, in the game or if they didn't get curious enough when they see a broken heart on the map and they're like repressed memory what does that mean <laughs> and then you go and play it Oh, man, see, I was so looking forward to moving forward to Revelations, but now I'm like, oh, maybe I should spend more time with Brotherhood. You see, uh, because and you now you see why this game is my favorite. I know, and you know, uh, I love the the world building. I love, I love the past. I love the present stuff, and I think I think I've said, you know, like I I like the present stuff, the ideas around it a lot, and I mean, some of those ideas are introduced in the past too. Right, uh, the the ones that came before the the pieces of Eden, all that stuff. But I I'm, I'm always looking forward to like, okay, so what what ha- what's happening in the present? But the truth is that the character development is really in the past, and like we we love we know and love Ezio way more than we know uh, or even like Desmond because we don't spend that much time with him. And man, now I really want to play those levels. Oh. Yeah, no, trust me, man. Like, the, and and like, if you go through and you watch, like, you know, the the all the main cutscenes and dialogues, you're not gonna see that because that's not part of the main game. But that adds so yeah. much more to both Ezio and Christina. And now you see why Ezio seems so just so distant and cold and stern with everything that he does because the love of his life, the person that he felt like he was supposed to spend the rest of his life with died in his arms because yeah. of him. Be, essentially though, because of him, I actually, I think I do remember now. I think it was the Borgia troops invaded Firenze and they were just attacking people indiscriminately and they went after her and she got wounded that way. Well, plus there's all the regret of not spending more time with her. Exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and, you know, she even says like, you know, I wish we could have had our second chance because even though she said that back in, in Venice, she still loved him. She still cared about him. She carried that medallion with him, with her, you know, ever since he gave it to her. Way back in the very beginning of Assassin's Creed 2 up until basically towards the end of it. Like, that's just what what you're seeing. Oh, I'm, I'm too sad now. Let's let's talk about Subject 16. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So let's talk about the man who, uh, you know, wrote symbols in blood in your Abstergo room. Yes, let's talk about Subject 16. Still not as sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so in this game, 
Um, uh, and and kind of differentiate from Assassin's Creed 2, there's only 10 glyphs this time, which is really great. There's not 20 that you need to find. And, but I mean, the puzzles are still just the same. If not, they're harder. A bigger pain in the ass. Um, but doing so, uh, you eventually unlock this this program. Or at least they, they learn it's a program. They originally think it's a video, but they find out it's a program that Desmond can, you know, use or execute in, in the Animus. And this, after going through like this like big Animus-like maze, um, he eventually comes across a hologram of such a 16. So, um... What 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 was some of the stuff that they that they that they talk about in there, uh, Josue? Well, first of all, it's it's like a silhouette or a or an unfinished, very basic raw outline. Right, you even hear a computer voice that's like compiling tendons, blah blah blah, like different pieces, but they don't actually make an entire person. It's more like the form of a person, and he identifies himself as Subject Sixteen and greets subject 17 being Desmond and Desmond's like, you're subject 16, you're dead. And he's not speaking. It it seems very much like a, like it's a, like it's some sort of pre-recorded message and it's kind of scrambled, right? It's not completely coherent. It is not, it does not flow well. He's kind of like laughing in a way when he talks about it. So he's, he's being kind of cryptic in what he's saying, but basically uh, some of the things that he says is like, you can't trust her. And then um, something about a sun, like the, the sun in the sky, it's too late to save them. Something about your son, S O N. And then I think the most important part of what she repeats is that you have to find Eve in Eden. Her DNA is the key, but he doesn't say to what, <laughs> and he repeats that you have to go to Eden and find Eve but then that's it. It's, it's just like a message and perhaps foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, to this day, like I still don't necessarily know what he means. Um, only just recently reading on the wiki did like, I see like some things that people had pointed out from what he was talking about. And then you go and rewatch the, the video from Assassin's Creed two. And then you draw connections from like previous dialogue, previous, like, little snippets of like present day info that you find throughout the later installments of the game. Um, but yeah, I remember when I listened to this, I, I didn't know what to make of it. I was like, what, what are you talking about? Like we already received the message that the world is ending, right? There's some sort of cataclysm that would, that may wipe out life on earth as it did before. And so when he's talking about, you know, it's too late to save them. I assume that's what he meant. And when he talks about the sun, right? Like we, we know that last time it was some solar flares. And, but other than that, I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm very curious where Eden is. Is the Eve that we saw in the glyph video from the previous game still around in some way? Is she inside one of the pieces of Eden? Is that what he means by Eden? Or is Eden a place? I don't know. Yeah, th- so that was exactly. There's so many questions, and I okay. I I want to talk about this. I want I want to talk about this. So, uh, you know, reading on the the Assassin's Creed wiki, um, 
when when you read about the Subject 16 stuff and there's like a little footnotes on the bottom that people have, have noted where if you go back and watch the video, the file in Assassin's Creed 2 with Eve, with Adam and Eve, uh, the mountain that is like in the very last like little sequence is very, it looks reminiscent to uh, Mount Kilimanjaro, which would indicate that um, where they're at is in Africa. And then when you, and then in Assassin's, in a normal Assassin's Creed, Lucy makes a remark about how, um, there, you know, there's been a number of artifacts, you know, including some in ancient Africa. So this also would like reinforce the idea that, you know, we as humans originated in Africa, you know, how that whole theory is. Um, and, and so like, this is where it's like drawing these, these connections between both, uh, I guess, religion and this and what we believe as modern science as and then including the sci-fi elements of the ones who came before like you're incorporating three different things in like a 10 second clip and the people that have like found this out or like drew these connections these people have like freaking sharp eyes man because I, I played these games so many times and I'm just like, even that alone, like I just learned that, like not even 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I'm still learning about these games and it's, it's a, like these games and the connections that these people are drawing to like create this bigger story and, and connect all the dots without using red string. Cause it's actually very valid and viable is amazing. And I love it. This is why I love this series. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really curious what what it all means and how much will be answered, like how much information we'll actually get, because again, we're recording this in the summer of 2019, and we have many games that have come out after this one, plus the movie, plus comic books. Like, there's a, there's a lot of lore, a lot of story, and I can just imagine you talk about Red String, but I'm sure that they have this. Bible, you know, at Ubisoft, that's got all the answers. <laughs> They're just picking and choosing, and and also making up new stuff as they go along. But uh, but it's part of the fun, and that that's, that's one of the things I like about this series. If anybody that works for Ubisoft is listening to this podcast by some miracle, if there is actual an actual Bible involving Assassin's Creed, I want it. There's got to be one. There's I want be- it. <laughs> so bad i want it in my library and i will treasure that thing for the rest of my life especially as almost every single assassin's creed thing is considered canon right i think there are very few things that aren't canon to the story even the movie is supposed to be canonical to the games right uh i wouldn't say canonical to the actually I think it is i'm, I'm no I'm almost you're, no you're right in assassin's yeah. creed origins they 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 incorporate it it well, yeah. actually, it's it's canon to the universe, I should say. It's not really canon to the games because the games are a part of the universe. But the movie, yeah, it's canon to, to the universe. It's canon, it's canon yeah. It's, it's perfectly <laughs> canon. Yeah. And the comic books, also canon. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's, that's why I'm saying there isn't, I think, oh, there was, there's one game that I'm almost certain isn't canon. But, but for the most part, anyway, you can't, like... I'm sure there's somebody at Ubisoft. That's the job you want. The the person in charge of like the lore master or something like that. And he's the keeper of the of the AC Bible. 
All right, Simple. I'm changing my major. I'm gonna be a, <laughs> I'm gonna be a video game designer. I'm going to Ubisoft, guys. Getting my hands on that Bible one way or another. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I feel like we we pretty much have digested this game, and and have learned to appreciate it for all it's worth. You learned a couple things today. I okay. learned a couple things today. Yeah. You know it's a big deal when I learn a couple things. Well, I think you have a lot to learn, but I, I that's do. a general statement. But the thing is that the initiates <laughs> the initiates don't need to know that. That's true. I should edit that out. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> we got to make them at least seem like I'm somewhat human, you know? I can make mistakes. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for for this episode. Um, I just want to thank all the initiates for coming out here today and absorbing the knowledge that we have presented to you on Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Uh, the next time we meet, we are going to be diving headfirst into Assassin's Creed Revelations. Now, Assassin's Creed Revelations is going to be a little weird. It's going to be a little different because there really is no present day stuff. But don't worry. We got stuff for you guys and we'll make sure you guys get that hard knowledge before we dive into the actual Ezio gameplay. Oh, we got stuff. <laughs> we got all the stuff. Some hard knowledge, some hard truth bombs. It's going to be fantastic. Cannot wait. So, so thanks everybody for for coming out to this uh, if you want to reach out and seek assistance from either myself or Josue uh, you can do so over on the forums at forum.geektherapy.com if you want to chat with us about Assassin's Creed or you want to reach out to your fellow initiates as well for, f- feel free to do so over on the discord channel on geektherapy.com slash discord and if you wanted to reach out to us on, on Twitter you can do so as well our, our um, Twitter handles will be in the, the notes below. So that will be uh, it for today's lesson. And make sure you guys come back next time. We're almost done. You guys are almost are close to your rank ups. I can feel it. I can feel it there, guys. So until then, re- always remember that nothing is true. Everything is permitted.